Live long and prosper. Well, I was going into Toshi Station to pick up some power converters. Lilu Dallas Multipass. Shut up and take my money. By Grabthar's hammer. What a saving. One does not simply walk into Mordor. X never, ever marks the spot. Winter is coming. You're a wizard, Harry. Stay a while and listen. Hey, old Grimmie. Frog here. ties are cool. So say we all. This is a play on nerds. Hey everybody, this is Jarman and Steve, the other guy. We're hosting a Play on Nerds episode 102. This is a take two for us because we had a crazy malfunction that you'll never know about. But I just but that just means it's going to be better the second time. (laughs) Exactly. And actually, I did a much more smooth intro that time, so I feel better. You did. It was much less abrupt. So already (laughs) we're proving our point. Exactly. This needed to happen. (laughs) So anyways, (laughs) this week we're going to be talking about The Predator. Or not The Predator, sorry. Predator from 1987. In honor of The Predator coming out. And doing fairly well at the box office, I think. Yeah, it's not, I mean, reviews are not great. A stork may or may not have dropped off a copy, and it may or may not have been hot garbage. So, <laughs> Well, that actually takes me into my update for the week, is that uh, my girlfriend and I are going to go see a movie, because uh, we usually see one like every week when she comes home on the weekends. Okay. And uh, she really wanted to see The Predator. So I was like, all right. There's like all these other indie films and, you know, other films we could have watched. But she's like, no, I want to The Predator. Something that's mindless and fun. That's uh, right. So I was like, I, both of those things. <laughs> I was game. So I went to go see it. And without any spoilers, uh, it's a lot more comedic than the one we're going to talk about later in the episode. Um, but it's it was didn't the jokes didn't always land. And it was kind of didn't know what it was. And uh, it was fun at parts, though. Yeah, I mean, some of the tech was cool and but a lot of, you know, they talk about this in the trailer, so there's no spoilers. The hybridization stuff, like what you saw in the trailer is as far into details they get. Right. It doesn't make much sense. Like Livy Munn literally just says, oh, they're hybridizing like one time. And then like that, uh, everyone's like, yeah, they are. Yeah, that just is the plot then. I guess it's like a big deal that they're introing the idea that predators go planet to planet and improve their own breed by taking the best from those planets and putting it into their own DNA, which I don't think right. I discussed unless it was in one of the books or comics or something. But uh, so I guess that's the new thing this movie introduces, but doesn't really talk about at all. Yeah. So, and then at the end there is a shameless plug for a sequel. Oh yeah. I don't remember that, but just a shameless plug for a sequel that I doubt will be made. Yeah. It didn't do well enough. <laughs> Honestly, I doubt it will happen. And did you hear about the scenes that were cut because of a scandal? No. Oh, yes, I did. There was a uh, a, a child rapist or something. A uh, guy who was a sex predator. Yeah, he was a guy who was uh, uh, hunt like not hunting down, but like trying to get this girl to have sex with him online. He knew she was underage, and he's a friend of director Shane Black, who actually oh, that's uh, right, who's actually an actor in this movie we're going to review later on. Um, but uh, it was his first movie too. But yeah, so the guy, he didn't actually end up doing anything, but he was arrested for trying to get with this um, girl. And so, but he got off and he's still acting. Um, and when the cast found out, they are pissed off, I'm, understandably. And Olivia Munn had a scene with him in the movie and they end up cutting it so they could release it. Um, so it wasn't a necessary scene. He was just hitting on her in the scene and that was it. So it was pointless. Right. So yeah. Um, just just like the whole movie, it was pointless. <laughs> so, um, I, so I guess my review for 
the Predator, which I think that we actually we reviewed for a, a trailer review at some point. I'm sure. There we go. We're doing what Paul wants us to do, and actually, <laughs> so now we can. Yeah, we're now we're reviewing. Um, it was terrible. I don't remember what we said, but it was terrible. <laughs> I was hoping it would be fun and silly, and it kind of was, but didn't really do very well at that job. So I'm saying it's like a C. Uh, so oh man, I'd say watch I, it at Netflix if you want for fun, but it's not very good. Yeah, I mean this one maybe if I had not seen it, this might get a give a buck, give it a buck. But I mean, the, I, the lead guy was uh, so generic too, wasn't he? Who the lead character in the Predator? He was just so generic. Yeah, that blonde guy—they're really trying to shove him down our throat. What else has he been in? Uh, let's see. He was just in. Uh, he played the lead villain character in Logan not long ago. Oh, that was him. Yeah. He also played a prominent role in the Hatfield McCoy's miniseries that was huge. Um, mm. I'm sure he's done a bunch of other stuff, but that's what I know him from. Gotcha. Yeah, it's not going to work. He's like that guy that was in a. Oh, was it Pacific Rim or something? He's been in like ten movies. He's Australian. Oh yeah, that guy. Very generic. And he was in. He was in that King Arthur movie. Yeah. By uh, directed by Pierce. Yeah. Just it's not going to work. He's too boring. Yeah, just too boring. <laughs> so yeah, don't go see the Predator. Go see anything else. Yes, yeah, so that's pretty much all I had to report for this past before since we last recorded. So what have you been up to? Uh, so what have I been up to? Uh, let's see. Last weekend we went up to Grandma's and we did a small family birthday party. Very nice for the kid who just turned two, just so we could include her family and do something with them. So we went up and it was kind of dinosaur themed in that that's just most of the toys and stuff we bought were dinosaurs. So that's just what it ended up being. But that's there was fun. no real theme. <laughs> like literally we took Joyce to the dollar store, which mind you, okay. So parents spend so much money on kids parties. You don't have to. There's this thing called the dollar tree and they sell every party supply you can think of for a dollar. That's pretty nice. So we did gift bags with tons of stuff. We did streamers that we were able to pick up plates and silverware and cups and blah, blah, blah. And it was 30 bucks to throw a kid's party. Oh, you know, what I want to ask that made me think of it is we always think of the dollar store, dollar tree. We have these here. What do they call it in Britain? Is it the, the pound store? The pound store? <laughs> I don't know. I'm curious. Like, a, like the six pence store? The, the tuppence store? <laughs> <laughs> Let us know, listeners. Do you have a version of that over there? Or we are going to continue to call it the Tuppence Store. <laughs> the Fiver Nook. You just spend a Fiver on everything. <laughs> That's terrible. Oh, man. You and your made up currency. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that, that, that was pretty much it. A quick trip up north to see Grandma. Nice, quiet weekend uh, in our home. Only other thing is, uh, so yesterday I got into work late because we took the kid to uh, her two-year checkup in the morning. And I was fine when I got there. And by lunch, my lower back was hurting. And by the end of the day, I could barely get up and down and out of my chair. Ouch. I have no idea what's going on. I've got a chiropractor appointment on Friday, which seems like a million years away. And I had literally spent all day laying flat in bed with a heat pad under me. I'm in bed right now. Ouch. We adjusted my whole setup so I could record in bed. Oh, goodness. I had no idea. Yeah. Um, better today than yesterday, certainly. Uh, but still, I can feel it like every step. So, oh, God. That's and so I, no, and, and I didn't do There's no action that happened that made me do it like out of just out of nowhere. It was real weird. Well, it's weird because I've had terrible back pain in the past few days, too. Um, I'm going yeah. to see a chiropractor later in the week. 
Yeah. Uh, no, mind you, I've, I've done terrible things to my back, but there's always like an incident I can point towards. Like I was holding this heavy box and then tried to move it on a shelf to my left and just twinged it. Like I've always said, this one was like, I was sitting in my chair eating a bowl of beef chili from the cafeteria <laughs> and my back broke. <laughs> Whenever my back goes out, it's always like doing something small, like picking up the shampoo off the floor in the shower. And it's like, just, uh-huh. just goes apart. I don't know why. Uh, so yeah, so right now I'm recording from bed. It's impressive. It doesn't sound that bad. No, no, no. I mean, we rigged it pretty good, so. <laughs> my, my cats keep opening the door of my room over and over again, and it's so frustrating. Damn it, bones. <laughs> so, son of a bitch. Why don't we take it in some nerdy news from there? Nerdy news. It's time for Nerdy news. What you got for us, Steve? So this week, my cheeky name for my cheeky story is Dead Man Walking Dead. (laughs) Uh, So in the midst of The Walking Dead hitting like an all-time ratings plummet, basically season over season since season three or something. It's really sad. So while they do still have high ratings overall, they're nowhere near they were where they were at their peak. Right. Um, and so most of us, and especially with them announcing the character, the, the actor that plays Rick is going to be leaving after this next season, that this would be it or we'd be close. Um, but the producers and the people at AMC have talked about uh, and talked this week about a 10 year plan for the Walking Dead franchise. Oh, jeez. How? So while the Walking Dead, the show we know and love may end, uh, they are talking about multiple full length movies that will then spin off into other television shows, or at least that's the dream that they have. Now, mind you, AMC has been notoriously stingy about the budget for Walking Dead, which is why they've lost some of their bigger actors and some of their more established stars. Yeah. Um, so it's doubtful that they're going to spring for like to pay for a movie. Um, but what they foresee is maybe them pairing up with Netflix okay. to share the cost. Netflix gets a Walking Dead movie and they get to as a platform for a spinoff. I wouldn't mind that so much having it on because it's easier to watch on Netflix than AMC. Right. And it certainly would get a, a wider audience, especially now with the popularity of Netflix. But who knows? Uh, but I thought Walking Dead was kind of on its last legs. But the the cash cow has other plans because <laughs> they said they want to do that show indefinitely. But then as the cast keeps dropping out, you know, but we've said before they missed the opportunity. They should have had uh, jump to the future and have older Carl by a different actor. And we would have well, followed Carl around. It would have been great. I mean, they also, I think, missed the opportunity in the way that the show was set up to begin with. If we had lost Rick halfway through season one and he was replaced with another new character, that would have become the precedent. Right. But it didn't. They kept a couple characters for almost nine seasons. So now the model that I think where we'll always have fresh faces coming in, so we'll always be able to revitalize, isn't going to work. No. They didn't set the show up that way. They failed. If anything, Fear the Walking Dead got it right. I guess they're trying that with Fear the Walking Dead because like almost the entire original cast is gone. Right, you got Spoilers. a few seasons with a couple bigger key actors that yeah. are now all gone, and now the but now the audience is used to like, oh well, we could lose everyone. Right, anyone's expendable, even the lead characters. Anyone's expendable. Um, versus Walking Dead, where you know that has not been the case for some characters up to this point. 
Yeah, so I don't know what they're going to do. Um, but movies about who? I don't know. But Netflix is a good place for that. Yeah, Netflix is a great place for that. So we'll see. Now, what do you bring us from the world of nerd news? Now, I bring us something we talked about in the past, I believe, a couple times, which is uh, manufactured lab-grown meat. So, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard about this. Yeah, so there's an article in Scientific American kind of updating the world on what's going on in this area because I think it's the way the future Eventually, we won't be raising hundreds of thousands of cattle to feed the populations with protein, but we'll have lab-grown meat. So it's getting better because before the problem was it was way too expensive. I think they said one quarter pounder burger was $300,000 to create. And they had certain scientists and journalists try it, um, and they said it tasted – it had the consistency of like a really, really lean meat because there's no fat. It's just complete muscle tissue. Uh, But that also makes it so it doesn't taste very interesting. Uh, true but also just too damn expensive so now what they're doing is they're making it cheaper uh, producing it cheaper and also um, adding in um, genetic pieces of fat so that actually will taste better so they dropped okay. it down yeah. in the next couple that of years where all the flavor is. yeah exactly so it's going to cost about six hundred dollars as of next year for a quarter pounder instead of three hundred thousand dollars which is a big jump so given that trend of going cheaper and cheaper eventually be very affordable so they said with one sample of muscle tissue from one cow, they can make 80,000 uh, quarter cheeseburgers. 80,000, which is one little wow. sample. And that cow could still be alive and well. It's just like poke it, get the sample out, and that cow is perfectly happy. And I'm not a vegan or vegetarian or anything, but I think it's just smart because it's just so much, so wasteful having all these animals that were populating and all the methane gas going into the air. It's just, it's stupid. So I'm just glad that the trend's going to where it's going to be affordable in our lifetimes to have good tasting cheap fake meat that is actually real meat just produced in a lab right on a similar note actually um i think in chicago maybe an a and w which still exists somehow um did their first round of purely like soy and plant-based burger patties Hmm. and they sold out at twice as quick as was anticipated um because people said they couldn't tell the difference wow that's uh people who make the root beer that company yeah, 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 but they have restaurants. Oh, I didn't know that. They are mostly known for their hot dogs, and they serve killer root beer floats and frosty mugs, but they do uh, burger and Dairy Queen kind of stuff. I had no idea. Well. Being a southerner, um, I just didn't know these But the fact things. is that, you know, McDonald's and Burger King, their patties are so processed already that, you know, what's they're the bar- difference <laughs> if it's plant and soy and all that stuff they put in? Because they're barely meated as it is, yeah. Instead of meat and all that stuff they put in. (laughs) Beaks and hooves and those things. We're not going to say from what animals, though. It's it's pretty gross. Uh, All right. Well, that's some good-ass nerdy news. So that takes us to some uh, a segment about the Predator film franchise timeline. So I'm actually going to fuck with you a little bit because while we were delayed, I wrote up an entirely another bit. Oh, my goodness. What do you have now? That's right. Live radio, folks. to be impressed. Uh, So uh, while we are talking about Predator, uh, the original working title all the way up until midway through filming was Hunter. So I decided to talk about a famous U.S. hunter. And uh, there's no U.S. hunter more famous than William Cody, or as most people around the world would know him, Buffalo Bill. Uh-huh. And no, not the would you fuck me Buffalo Bill, <laughs> but the real Buffalo Bill. I fuck me oh, uh, hard. So he was, he was born in 1846. Um, 
his father was was like an anti-slavery super advocate and would often give speech anti-slavery speeches well his father goes to a local uh, hitchin post gives a huge anti-slavery speech a mob forms so upset about this that he gets stabbed <laughs> and then like a year and a half later or more than that maybe dies from stab wound complications like way down the line oh wow so just festering uh, so at year. 11 yeah at 11 uh Buffalo Bill or William at the time uh, had to get a job. And so he became a, tr- a wagon train courier, which is something I didn't think about. Wagon trains passing through to the West were so long in some cases that they would go on for miles and miles without telephones or any other way of passing information. They literally hired people whose sole purpose was to take messages just up and down the miles of wagon train. Like grandma's three miles back. <laughs> yeah, Exactly. Uh, well, go let the back know that we're going to camp in 20 miles. They send a, they send a kid on a horse. <laughs> um, so he did that for a while. There's evidence that he actually worked for the Pony Express for a bit, uh, though he's not in any of their official registers. Um, there, there's enough as evidence and accounting that they believe that that's what happened. Uh, and then he worked as a Union scout uh, during the Civil War. Hmm. Did quite a bit. Uh Oh, yeah, yeah, he's been all over the place. So uh, after the Civil War, uh, he takes a job um, hunting game to keep railroad railroad workers working. And that is where he earns his reputation as the great hunter, because in one season he brought in uh, some reports vary, but the general is about forty eight hundred buffalo. Wow. In one season. Uh, And at one point made, oh, yes. Now, in recollection, that was way too many. (laughs) (laughs) They almost went extinct. Uh, But it actually is famous for winning a bet against a guy who was using, like, a modern repeater rifle. And he was using his old one-shot and 68 buffalo in a day or something. Something. Wow. So he took out 68 buffalo in a day with his one-shot rifle. Right. Um, And beat this other guy. Um, so he becomes so well known throughout the you know, military and everyone that Ulysses S. Grant asks him and General Custer as a favor to lead a Russian Grand Duke on this big hunting trip while we were trying to cultivate foreign relations at the time. Gotcha. It's like build up a friendship. So he gets hired to take out this, yeah, to take out this Russian ninny hunting. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, after that, he joins the army, the U.S. Army as a scout, um, is really heavy in Native American affairs and right on the frontier. Um, He actually earns the the Medal of Honor at one point. But in uh, 1916, it was revoked because they were reviewing Medal of Honor recipients. And apparently at the time, scouts were not considered full army men for whatever reason. Oh, wow. They were considered free range. So they took it. Uh, but then in 1989, they were nice enough to give it back. So, so he did receive the Medal of Honor eventually. So is this a white dude or was he a Native American? It's definitely a white guy. Oh, definitely okay. a white guy. All right. I always assume Buffalo Bill was a Native uh, American. So with his fame, uh, he gets invited to Chicago to do this, sh- this show called The Scouts of the Plain. Uh, telling, you know, to people in big cities. So he, he takes his buddy, uh, James Omar Hundro, or as most people know him, Texas Jack, and his other buddy, Wild Bill Hickok, and oh, they go guy. and they perform the show. And it does so much 
so well and makes them so much money that they all just stay. None of them go back to their other jobs. <laughs> they all just stay and do this show for 10 years. They do this show. It's just like shooting so this arrows time, and stuff. Yeah, yeah, like killing, he said, as many as like 50 extras dressed as Native Americans, reenacting battles and triumphant moments and stuff like that. Um, you can see something similar to it uh, at the beginning of um, like The Last Samurai with Tom Cruise. Yeah. Uh, and, and then also, if you anyone's seen True Grit, at the end, you know, the, the main guy kind of ends up at that kind of show. Gotcha. Um, so he does that for 10 years. He, you know is made so much money that he decides he's going to make his own show. Meanwhile, simultaneously, this novelist who writes these dime novels has been writing stories about the adventures of Buffalo Bill that are huge on the East coast. And he is becoming like a living American legend while he's still alive. <laughs> it's just incredible. Um, so he moves out to Wyoming. He starts his own wild West show, the Buffalo Bill wild West show. Um, and does that essentially for the rest of his life. Um, while he did give up the show in 1906, technically, um, he came back for two years of goodbye performances, and then he made some bad investments and lost some money and basically had to keep performing until he died. Yeesh. We know a lot of actors uh, but, like that, too. <laughs> uh, in that time, his show got so popular, he went and toured Europe with the Buffalo Bill show. Uh, he founded the city of Cody, Wyoming, which still exists. Hmm. Uh, but then in 1917, he died of kidney failure. And the only weird fact I could find his death is on his deathbed, he was baptized as a, a Roman Catholic. <laughs> Random. It's a weird choice. Weird choice making up for it all at the end. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that's Buffalo, the real Buffalo Bill, the American legend that's known everywhere. And one of the most renowned hunters in history. That was the real man. And because he killed thousands of buffalo. <laughs> thousands of buffalo just incredible amounts of buffalo um but yeah i mean really he was it was a time of showmanship and the show is really in the no novels are really what locked him into american culture for all time and that really does fit in with the whole predator thing because even in the new film uh olivia munn has a line because they say oh we call it the predator and she's like it's more of a hunter it's not really a predator it's hunting for sport not, right. not a predator for has to eat has to hunt to eat a predator, uh, yeah, and then right. it doesn't like uh, Keegan Michael Key play that same joke at some point. Yeah, like the, like the joke repeats three or four times throughout the movie. And um, this movie, 1987 movie, was originally going to be called The Hunter, but there was already a film out the year or two before called The Hunter, so they called it The Predator instead. So it was going to be called The Hunter, right? Um, and that's also they they changed the name when the movie took like a giant production turn in the middle, <laughs> which we'll talk about. <clears throat> um, so yeah, that's, uh, that is Buffalo Bill and, uh, talking about some hunters or predators to get us talking about the 1987 film predator. Oh yeah. Oh, that was beautiful. Time. Was beautiful. That's good music. Oh man. Yeah, it was really good. Like almost better music um, than the movie deserved. <laughs> so this this is a movie that, uh, you know, at the time actually didn't do that well, realistically. It didn't make the money they wanted it to make I mean, from it was, having Arnold Schwarzenegger. I saw that it was the second um, most uh, popular of that year. 
Oh, but they expected it to break all sorts of records uh, and stuff. Okay, I got you. Right, right. Like with the amount of money and and people they put in it, they were expecting this to be Tronto, especially after how big Commando was. They expected this to be like double Commando. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot better than Commando. I've seen Commando. That's not very good. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is a, a kind of a, a more subtle movie than I remember in that it was made in a time where the movies weren't rushed the way they are now. Yeah, because it was made like in, in like in, 85 and then come out till 87, I think. But in the new The Predator, how how long was it before we saw a Predator? Like 30 seconds? Yeah. Maybe 45 <laughs> seconds? Um, in this one, you really don't see the Predator in his physical form until like 40 or 50 minutes in. And then you don't see him him as him until the last four minutes of the film. And the Predator has a total of eight minutes of screen time the entire film. Oh, man. I was watching the fight scene at the end between him and Arnold. They never show any real physical contact between those two. It's so amazing how just they that one it scene implied... where they grabbed him by the neck and that was it. Right. And even when he punches him, it's more of like a push if you watch it. Right. Like it. Uh, and it's always like the predator and swinging and then Arnold getting beaten up and then infrared shots. But like they didn't show anything. It's kind of brilliant. Realist, really. It makes uh, it more of a thriller than a straight up action. Oh, absolutely. This makes it a thriller because in the action category, there is not that much heavy action in this film. You know, you've got the the big scene where they go into that, like the gorilla camp in South America. And well, that was a huge scene. Like, that's, <laughs> right. That's the most actiony thing. A lot of people died. A lot of explosions happened. Right. right. But I, I think that the thing that caught me off guard, you know, I'm thinking about like if I saw this movie for the first time, like that's always how I'm trying to think of these things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's they blew a huge load really early in the film. Yeah, I think maybe it was almost kind of like the typical 80s action movie that tricked you with that in the beginning. Like, oh, that's what this movie's going to be. A Rambo explosions, the whole right. movie. And then this they're like, movie was commando too. Yeah. It started as commando yeah. too. It's what it was. And they take it back a notch. They're like, oh wait, the rest of this movie's going to be a thriller and suspenseful and kind of like a horror film. Right. Um, and like, you legitimately don't know what the predator is. Yeah. Which makes it that much more kind of ominous. That's why you have to ask yourself. What the hell are you? <laughs> That's right. What uh, the hell are you? <laughs> because I think this movie suffers for people watching it now from the same thing that like the child's play movies does, which is that now predator is this giant franchise, which has taken some really bad term turns. But at the time this was original and nobody knew what the, the hook was. Yeah. Or like, or same thing with, like, like child's like. play. You know, Child's Play. The genius thing about Child's Play was at the time you didn't know if it was the doll or the kid. And that was the whole thing. Yeah. Now you definitely now it's the doll. You know it's the doll. It's the that's the franchise. They're also remaking that uh, now with Aubrey Plaza. Oh, they've done. They just recently did one not long ago. So hopefully this is a reboot because I think it's doing bad sequels. Good. They need a reboot. They need yeah. it. Um. So this movie starts out with, um. God, let's see. Uh, the jungles of South America and and badass guys getting off of Jeeps and Arnold Schwarzenegger smoking a cigar <laughs> and him doing like a really intense handshake high five with Carl Weathers that goes way too far. Oh, we have to say that oh, one of the things that Schwarzenegger said about this movie, why he thought it was so successful and that people would like it is because everyone was so buff <laughs> and there's it's a bunch of big dudes and the kids will like that. He's like, you know, it'll 
sell action figures, that kind of thing. And it's true. Like they show all the guys getting off the helicopters and stuff. And they're all these giant buff dudes. And it's just so eighties, so expendables. So like <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> um, so then it's revealed that this, this highly trained special forces team has been brought down um, to rescue a, a chopper team that went missing like a week before. Right. And Carl Weathers is there as their CIA, CIA liaison, which in it is, but it's fine, I guess. You son of a bitch. <laughs> and he's right. class hands like thunder strikes. And, 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 yeah, and then they like arm wrestle and they're both <laughs> already oiled. Like they both oiled before walking into the room somehow. Yeah, exactly. Um, the CIA got to pushing too many pencils. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, they they wrote uh, so they talk about this the screeners wrote in all these places where Arnold should be smoking a cigar because it was easier than getting him to get rid of it. <laughs> right. They said that like in between takes, he would constantly have a cigar. So it was easier to not have to have someone run in and out with his cigar. Yeah, so it was so just like his character smokes one now. Cigar in, this, in this scene, he's smoking a cigar. And apparently Carl <laughs> Weathers got addicted to cigars uh, because of this movie and filming it. So he like blamed uh, Schwarzenegger for that. <laughs> I guess so. Um, so they go into the jungle. They find a bunch of dead skinned bodies hung up. They assume it's this cartel or these gorillas that are doing it. They find the gorilla, the gorilla base. And then that's, that's a big action scene we talked about is them taking out this gorilla base and explosions and stabbing guys to walls. Indiscriminately blowing everything around. Up. They're supposed to be uh, saving a hostage, nowhere, and they blow up all the buildings. So how, they could have killed the hostage so easily. <laughs> right, right. And then they find out that the hostage is actually like a like a white KGB agent or something like that, right? They don't really so explain it very it. well. But yeah, he's pissed at Dylan because uh, Carl Weathers, because apparently this was more going on than he said. And there was like Russians involved. And it's, yeah, this wasn't a rescue mission. This was actually an intel retrieval that they pretended was a rescue mission to get them to do it. But to be fair, uh, uh, Dylan's team had did did go missing, so he was wondering about that. That's true, because the first team that was sent in to do this disappeared. You're right, uh, Dylan. <laughs> so they, too much they fun with the soundboard. <laughs> a, a, a woman, a woman gorilla. That was a weird. That sounds weird, but it's accurate. Um, they, they, they capture this woman gorilla. Uh, <laughs> so she's a pretty pretty gorilla. A uh, woman gorilla, uh, and they take her captive because they're going to question her because Carl Weathers still has to figure out what's happening. Um, and and this is when they really show that something is watching them. Right. You get little hints, but this I think this is one of the first big infrared shots is them leaving the camp. And that weird noise yes. following them around everywhere. Um. So, God, what happens next? Uh, there's a, I wrote notes here that this, there's a lot of them walking through the forest. Yeah, just walking through a jungle and giving each other shit. And, and that was actually one of the more endearing parts of the film is you got to see a lot of little moments between these soldiers. Which is good, but there was about five minutes there other. where they were just walking and not saying anything. And music was playing. That's and like, true. They could have cut that down like three minutes. Uh, um, so then uh, you know, the, the woman gorilla at one point makes a break for it while they're not paying attention. A guy goes and chases after her, separates from the group, and that's when the predator strikes. Takes right. his first victim. They find her covered in blood, saying that a, like a shadow, a ghost came out of the forest or something and took him. Right. Um. So 
at, at this point, it's just them getting picked off then. Like, that's really the rest of the film. Yeah, and they just them getting picked off one by one while they're trying to figure out what's hunting them. Uh, and, and we missed also part of the 80s uh, sequence that before when they were destroying the guerrilla camp was they even did all the typical like uh, catchphrases and lines and stuff. And Stick one, of, around. one of my favorites is um, Jesse Ventura, Jesse the Body Ventura, who says this. Mm-hmm. You're bleeding, man. I ain't got time to bleed. <laughs> That's become <laughs> immortalized where he says, I ain't got time to bleed. I got time to bleed. It's so stupid. And stick around. That was really stupid, too. Uh. Um, so then they, they finally realize that something is hunting them. Right. And they don't believe uh, necessarily when, the first guy who sees um, Jesse Ventura get killed because he um, he's saying or no, they don't believe the woman because she's saying the forest just basically took her. Right. And she's a captive and, you know, a gorilla lady. Uh, <laughs> lady gorilla. Um, so then. Je, uh, you know, Jesse the Body of Ventura is sitting, he hears something, and then like a weird porcupine comes out, and then he gets hit with an energy blast, and that's when you know that like this is for real. They know that something is hunting and killing them, and then they and then they have a 40 second scene where they all shoot at the forest. It was ridiculous. They just loading just clips never <laughs> into the forest. <laughs> so now, mind you, at this point, the predator is injured uh and that's when you see the green blood for the first time and that's like the that's really the first confirmation in the film that what they're dealing with is not human that's true and they don't see the blood for a while because the the lady gorilla keeps it to herself um she puts it on her rubs it on her clothes but then she doesn't tell them too much later when they figure out she actually speaks english so right uh and then that's when she reveals that her people basically have legends of these these hunters that show up uh and kill people which is interesting. And it's like the de- the demon of the forest or spirit of the of the the forest or something. Um, so that shows they've been coming for years, for a really long time. Yeah, for like generations, it's been going on. And we'll talk about that later in my timeline segment. Um, <laughs> so they all get picked off one by one. Je- Jesse Ventura, um, the the black guy who shaves with the razor. I can't remember his name for the life of me. Mac. I want to say Mac. Mac. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> um, Mac gets killed off uh, and then Carl Weathers gets killed off. They try to set a trap for this thing, which goes terribly awry. And one of them ends up getting hit with a counterweight because the predator is just way too smart for them. Uh, they make a break for it. Billy, who's like the big, strong, silent type, who's apparently a Native American actor. Or it's supposed to be. Anyways. Yeah. Um, stays behind and takes his shirt off and and takes out a knife and you think you're finally going to get to see like a really cool fight scene, but no, nah, they, they, no, nah, they don't do that. <laughs> he just dies off screen. He dies off screen and screams. Just he, all you hear is Billy screaming and Billy. <laughs> Billy. Uh, so now it's just Schwarzenegger, the scout guy who's terribly injured and the lady gorilla. Uh, Schwarzenegger sends the other two ahead. Get to the chopper. Um, get to the chopper. <laughs> That's the one. Uh, well, he gives them orders. Hold on. Mac, Blaine, the nest. Billy, Buncho, the guard. Hawkins, Dylan, back up. As soon as they're set, I hit the fuel dump. <laughs> that was a little early in the movie. <laughs> a little bit. Just a little bit. Uh, so he st- stays behind, gets hunted, and then ends up going over a waterfall. Is that right? Yeah. That sounds right. And Covered in mud. And that's when he realizes that when he's covered in mud, the predator can't see him. He can't see me <laughs> and hunts by some sort of heat vision. So that's when he comes up with this plan. He b- 
booby traps a bunch of stuff and makes some explosives somehow in <laughs> a bow and arrow. Once again, somehow he does all that. In theory, he's got special training, so maybe this is feasible. Yeah, he's a, uh, and he's a Marine. When, when he's ready, he literally like yells out like Tarzan to bring the prey. <laughs> um, and then the predator shows up to hunt him. It's an epic scream. It really is. So at first he's able to evade the predator because he's covered in mud and it can't see his heat signature. Um, he is able to set off an explosion that, that takes out its cloaking device. So it can't turn invisible anymore. Um, but then eventually the predator is just too smart and too big. Arnold Schwarzenegger falls into some water. All of his mud is gone. Mm-hmm. And the predator is on him. In a final confrontation, the predator basically admitting that he is a worthy opponent takes off his tech and decides to fight Arnold Schwarzenegger. Motherfucker. <laughs> uh, and this is the one time you get to see the predator's face. And like, you know, the fact that they saved it for the last four minutes of the film is spectacular. And it's like really good practical effects. It had lots of rotors and um, things in the face. It was all animatronic. Type oh, things. Be- beautifully done. Yeah. Um, so then this, then this comes the, the underwhelming fight scene, like the actual one-on-one confrontation where it's really quick cuts between Arnold Schwarzenegger and the heat vision that they do. And then the predator kind of like yelling and swinging, but there's no actual contact shot. If anything, I think it's the one detriment of the film is that we waited so long to see this confrontation and they kind of had to, to skirt around it, probably due to the technical aspects of what they were doing. Yeah, it's too bad because uh, apparently I've heard that it was so hard for the guy to walk around in the Predator costume the way they had it made, even though he's a seven foot two big guy. Um, but so they had to have bungee cords attached. They had to take out later in post to kind of support him while he was walking around in this terrible yeah, terrain. Supposedly the, the entire Predator rig with the armor and everything was about 200 pounds. It's crazy. So like I can understand why it's hard you, to do a fight scene with that, you know. And this is a guy who was used to to wearing terrible costumes and doing costume work. He had just gotten done with Harry and the Hendersons before this movie. Yeah. Big ass costume. So he was an actor who was used to heavy costumes and this costume was way too heavy. <laughs> <laughs> they had all uh, sorts of trouble making that costume. So it makes sense. So in the end, Arnold Schwarzenegger basically gets lucky. The um, predator doesn't fall for a trap, but luckily the counterweight he had set up to spring that trap is just above the predator and he springs it. The counterweight falls and crushes the predator before saying this. Come on, do it. Do it. Come on. Come on. Kill me. I'm here. Kill me. I'm here. Kill me. <laughs> Acting. Come on. Kill me. I'm here. Well, if Come anything, on. I think it's, do it it's the most appropriate acting in the film because it was so bad that not even the predator bought it. <laughs> That's true. So if anything, I think it's the one time it's appropriate in the film. That's true. <laughs> um, so then you see the predator still has some signs of life. Arnold Schwarzenegger goes over uh, the predator's like coughing up blood on itself. Uh, and, and in a last act of dickishness flips open a thing on its arm gauntlet, types some stuff in and then a countdown clock begins. And he starts laughing and, was, and laughing maniacally. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a, but you know, it's partially uh, the laugh of the native American guy earlier. That's what I just barely noticed, but then he like expands on it because it was like, cause he copied the laugh of the guy earlier. 
Right, right, right. And, and they show that earlier, him like copying voices and right and those sort of things. And there's a few references to it throughout. Um, Arnold Schwarzenegger gets away. He gets picked up by the gorilla lady and the scout and his boss um, and presumably lives to see another day. Hopefully. Apparently yeah. in the, some, the novelization or something like that, he um, is taken to a hospital and before they can debrief him and possibly, you know, make him disappear for seeing an alien or whatever, he escapes from the hospital and uh, we'd never see him again. So he's just out Ooh. there. <laughs> so amusingly enough, uh, and this isn't in my timeline, but something I read in one of the graphic novels or comics or something, his younger brother is like a police detective in Detroit and has a whole saga run in with Predator of his own. Random. His <laughs> Dutch's little brother has a predator adventure of his own. <laughs> um, so overall, a great, a much more subtle film than I kind of remembered it being. Um, it definitely has its flaws, but man, compared to some of the films that are made now, it's so good. Yeah, and it was directed by John McTiernan, who did the first Die Hard. He did Last Action Hero, Hunt for Red October, Die Hard with a Vengeance, The Thirteenth Warrior, Thomas Crown Affair, and a few others that aren't as popular. But all those and movies are so solid you know and the saddest thing about this for me also is that the writer of this film is in it he's one of the army guys really uh and and he's the same guy who wrote the new one. Oh wow and that makes me disappointed that the same person wrote this film that wrote this new piece of crap i would have thought shane black would have written the uh the new one no let's see it is richard chavez i believe Huh, so Shane Black just directed it. Maybe. Now I'm now I'm doubting myself. Let's see, written by Live Radio folks. It's probably fine. Two more writers, uh Fred Decker, Shane Black. So Jim Thomas, John Thomas, it's only based on the characters created by them. So they didn't write the new one. Yeah. Um just their characters. Yeah. So it's all, uh, it's a great movie. Check it out if you haven't somehow, if you haven't checked it out, if you are listening to this podcast and somehow haven't seen predator, check it out. All the, the quotes from it are just fantastic. Um, a few like just a, a cool trivia I found from here is uh, uh, the film provide a variety of hardships for the actors, such as leeches, snakes, stifling humidity, heat and rough terrain. All the night scenes were filmed during freezing cold temperatures, which was especially hard on Arnold Schwarzenegger during the latter half of the film. When the mud he had to wear, actually pottery clay, became cold and wet, he was warned it would take his body temperature down a few degrees, and he shivered nonstop, even when they tried to heat him with lamps. It just made the clay dry out. He tried drinking Jagger tea, a schnapps mixture, to warm him, but that just got him drunk. <laughs> so he's got drunk trying to warm up. And as maybe you might know, Jean-Claude Van Damme was originally cast to play the Predator, uh, uh, yeah, so this is my favorite part of this whole thing. He just got really whiny and it was too hot and you weren't going to see his face and he was too short. So he was <laughs> so he was a big deal in Europe at the time in the martial arts scene. And so the idea is that he was going to come and be this like stealthy ninja like predator. Right. But he got there and the costume was so big and clunky. It was not the predator that eventually ended up being. It was more like a alien, uh, like a bug dog thing. It had almost. like one, one eye and everything. It was really weird. Um, the costume was like a bright red foam suit that they put him in. Um, and he was upset cause you couldn't see his face. There was no reason that it needed to be him. And he thought this was going to be like his big American break. 
Right. And there's a few pictures out um, there of him on set in the costume, and he looks so pissed off. <laughs> I watched it. Uh, uh, extra with one of the creature designer producer guys mm. and he goes yeah that original costume I remember we had this giant mold because it was huge and we pulled out the first molding of it and we looked at it and we went man we are really in trouble <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be crappy <laughs> they knew it was bad they knew the original design was bad and the new one was so cool that it's just been forever around well we can help uh, we can thank James Cameron for that uh, the director of this film was on a flight with him he was in the middle of directing aliens i believe and uh he was doing character and uh, sketches and cameron said you know what i always really wanted to see a creature with mandibles Hmm. and that's how predator ended up with mandibles because james cameron and somebody else that they saw in an office somewhere like a photograph of a rastafarian warrior from like back in the day yeah the dreadlock thing and that's what influenced them to do that um so uh, uh, the original concept of this film was a joke. Uh, someone said that the only person Rocky Balboa had yet to fight was E.T. the extraterrestrial. And then they made this into a movie. That's right. <laughs> uh, the Predator's Blood, a goopy substance with the color of Mountain Dew, was made on set using a mixture of the liquid from inside glow sticks and KY jelly. It's pretty gross. Oh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> uh, the famous clicking and gurgling sound the Predator makes in the movie was made up by Peter Cullen. He's the guy who did... Uh, 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 Optimus Prime, same guy. Oh, cool! And he said he, it was reminded him of uh, the face looked like a horseshoe crab. So he he remembered when he was a kid, he would turn horseshoe crabs upside down and they make a gurgling noise. So he did. He made that noise. Ah, interesting. <laughs> really weird. Um, attempt was made. To my get- favorite bit of trivia from this. Oh yeah, just, go for it. It's my one. Piece I'm gonna have uh, is that um, uh, years before. Uh, Jesse, the body Ventura and uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger were both bodybuilders together mm. and were in competitions together before and had this really heavy rivalry. So uh, Jesse Ventura had heard from one of the costumers that they had to let out the sleeves on his, on his outfit oh, yeah. because his were yeah. bigger than Arnold's. So with this preloaded knowledge, Jesse Ventura went and bet Arnold Schwarzenegger a bottle of champagne that his arms were bigger. <laughs> Uh, so then they went and Wardrew mentioned them. Arnold's were, of course, like two or three inches bigger because Arnold had had bribed them with the same bottle of champagne to lie to Jesse Ventura about his arms being small. <laughs> <laughs> Just like to that. piss off Jesse Ventura. <laughs> and they did something else on set, too, which is hilarious. Jesse Ventura was at the gym and Arnold hadn't gotten there yet. So he poured water all over himself. And so when, when Arnold got to the gym around 6 a.m., he was saw that Jesse had already been there for a long time working out. He's covered in sweat. And so then throughout the rest of the entire filming of the movie, they each tried to get, uh, one-up each other, getting the gym earlier and earlier until they were both getting there at 4 a.m. in the morning. Wow. <laughs> so they were constantly competing with each other. I think it was pretty funny. <laughs> um, so a couple more left. Uh, uh, an attempt was made to get shots of the Predator swinging from tree to tree using a monkey in a red special effects suit. However, the monkey kept removing the suit and the idea was abandoned, <laughs> which I think that sounds hilarious. <laughs> this monkey's like, what the fuck is this? Uh, most of the film was shot under the original title Hunter. It was only later changed when uh, uh, the movie uh, Hunter came out, whatever, and they couldn't do it. Uh, but you can still see Hunter on the outtakes on the board, on the clapboard. Uh, oh, of course. Uh, the Predator costume weighed over 200 pounds. You said that. Um Arnold Schwarzenegger believed this movie would be such a hit because the heroes were impressively muscular and big. That's what I said before. Right. Uh, as the script was pitched around Hollywood, the shorthand description used for it was Alien in the Jungle. 
which is pretty true. And uh, that's about it. That's pretty much all I have for the uh, trivia there. But it was a great uh, movie. The original screen tests for the uh, the camo effect were done out, you know, in some wooded area. Uh, and because they hadn't built the costume yet, they literally had a giant red gorilla costume. <laughs> so all of their practice was with a guy running through a forest in a red red gorilla costume. So goofy. I can't believe it came out to what it was. <laughs> <laughs> really cool effect. To this day, super cool effect. It is. It worked really well. So uh, now to lead us out of that, let's talk a little bit about the overall Predator timeline. Please. So Predator's both from the sort of extended films, Alien vs. Predator, and the main films, the Predator franchise, um, have been coming to Earth for a long time, as Jarman mentioned. Um, so as early as two, 2996 BC, Predators arrived on Earth and taught early humans how to build the pyramids. So 100 years later, presumably at the completion of the pyramids, they show back up and uh, they bring an alien queen to all these pyramids and set up these hunting scenarios oh, where that's right these civilizations sacrifice people to their gods and they get to do their hunt if they're successful they become men if they are not successful they blow up the thing on their arm and wipe out entire civilizations um so the next as far as the, so as i explained to german uh, i'm looking at just what's confirmed through the film franchises because if you look at the extended stuff there's books and graphic novels and comics there's just too much predator stuff to talk about right. so i'm just talking about what's in the movies um, so the next thing as far as the films is 1718. Hmm. Uh, and that's when pirate captain Raphael Adelini uh, presumably meets a predator and it helps him fight off his mutinous crew. The, the captain's gravely wounded, but he gives his ornate flintlock pistol to this predator as a thank you. This predator then gives that flintlock pistol to Danny Glover at the end of Predator 2. So these guys live an exceptionally long time. Yeah, and he was called like Grayback or something, that predator. Yeah, he did it like uh, Angel something. It was weird. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's some, some name. Um, so that's 1718. So then you have 1904, a whaling station in the Arctic. Um, it basically, everybody disappears overnight. And it's because under it is one of these temples that the predators have set up aliens in. And they go and they kill everyone there. And then they have their hunt. In 1904. Is that in a movie? Uh, so yeah, that that's um, the beginning of Alien vs. Predator. So the idea is the, the, pre- the Predators come back to that temple every hundred years to do this hunt. And this whaling station that they go to and set up base at was abandoned a hundred years earlier when everyone disappeared. Oh, I vaguely remember that now. Um, so this is mentioned in one of the films, I believe Predator 2. In 1945, it's believed that the dropping of the atomic bombs attracted uh, the heat and the conflict attracted Predators back to Earth at that point. So they left in 1904, but didn't come back until they saw the atomic bombs. Supposedly. Um, so then you have the events of 1987's Predator. Nice. Which we just discussed. All by the events of uh, 1997 of Predator 2. Wow, it was 10 years later? I didn't realize it was that long. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I think, you know, the movie released in 91, but it was set in 97. Oh, that's weird. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, even though it released when you're thinking, it was set in a near future kind of scenario. Gotcha. Um, so, then you get to uh, October of 2004 when... Um, it, a satellite picks up a heat bloom in the Arctic 
because uh, the Predators have started their hunt, and that's Alien vs. Predator. Mm. So then you have the events of Alien vs. Predator. Just a few days later, so like uh, in theory, that happened October 10th, so on October 14th, a Predator ship crash lands in a small town in Colorado, uh, and aliens get loose there. A Predator from their home world finds out this happens and comes to clean up the mess, and those are the events of Alien vs. Predator Requiem. Oh, great, yeah. great films. <laughs> Requiem was better than some of the other ones, truthfully. Um, so then you get to the 2010 and that's when you get predators where eight elite soldiers from all over the world are captured, taken to this foreign planet to be hunted. Wild game preserve. That's when they introduce the idea of a super predator and a regular predator. And there might be like blood divisions in predator society. Um, I don't think I ever saw that one. Um, yeah, it was okay. It's got Adrian. Br- it had some good moments, certainly, but it's not a cohesive film by any means. Um, and then now cut to smash cut to now October, November ish of 2018. Uh, the events of the predator happen. The most recent one that came out. Right. Um, and that brings us to the present. Um, I looked it up in nowhere in any of the films are predators mentioned in the future, like beyond modern day. So they're not brought up in any of the alien stuff. They're not brought up in any of the covenant or, you know, they don't come up anywhere in the future. Um, Something else that I found interesting um, is that, so the predator, they basically, uh, the, the director and producers have said that they're not acknowledging that the alien versus predator movies happened. Hmm. But they are still acknowledging the same universe, though. So here's the problem with that. They admit they're not canon, but um, German saw the movie uh, when they're in the lab. Uh-huh. Uh, they, they, there are all these predator artifacts kind of in cases. Right. And one of them is the main character's handmade spear from Alien vs. Predator. They're confusing shit. Not only that, but the spear is tipped with the tail of a xenomorph. Mm. So that means that they also knew about xenomorphs in some capacity, even back then, in theory. So even though they said it's not, it's not, they're, they're disavowing it, they have stuff from it. Um, it's a little bit weird. But something to think about is that, um, you know, uh, they showed up as early as 2996 BC. 100 years later, they brought the first alien queen. That means that by that point, they had the xenomorph. Right. And so if you're, looking at the, if you're looking at the Prometheus and those timelines, that means that the xenomorph existed, you know, thousands and thousands of years before mankind got out of control and they maybe wanted to wipe us out. It's all very confusing. <laughs> it's all extremely confusing. So then the question becomes like, did the predators meet the the engineers beforehand and conquer them and take it. Oh, yeah, uh, what the is the relationship between the two? It's been explored in some comics. Um, but from a timeline perspective, you, you really do have to drop some things because Canon doesn't make sense anymore. If you don't. <laughs> oh, it's like so many other film franchise universes that get too convoluted for their own good. Oh yeah. Um, and in predator is, is, is exactly the same. You see, as I said, they set up for a really terrible looking sequel at the end of the predator. I don't know if they're going to get it. Oh, now I'm remembering what the setup was. Yeah. We won't spoil yeah. it. But it's, it's pretty, it's like, I don't care about what they set up basically. 
But, yeah, yeah. Um, but we'll see. So I think I think that's been our discussion of Predator and the Predator franchise. And that brings us to a game of Would You Rather? Would You Rather? Would You Rather? <laughs> that's the new clip I Man, found. Man, the where the hell did that come from? It was this random song called Would You Rather? A nice little Motown ditty. Oh, nice. Nice. <laughs> so yeah, Would You Rather? Um, so before this first Would You Rather question, uh, do you know what a life straw is? Have you seen these things? I do not know what that is. So think of it's a Brita filter in a straw. Okay. Oh yeah. But they're, yeah. They're, I know what that they're is. manufacturing them for the kids in Africa. So kids can go drink out of stagnant ponds with them. That kind of thing. Good idea. <laughs> okay. So you have a life, you have a life straw mm-hmm. with this life straw. Would you rather drink out of a New York city toilet bowl or a New York city puddle? A uh, toilet bowl. I and know could because I've, I can, know through some research that that's probably cleaner water and fresher than uh, whatever's in that puddle. That's true. That, that is also mine and Anna's answer uh, as well. Uh, I'd still because, probably throw uh, up on myself, but either way. <laughs> well, because the thing is, you know, in the toilet, there's going to be, you know, pee and poo particles and stuff, but I can guarantee there's, there's that and worse in the puddles. <laughs> right. Exactly. There's pee, poop, and like heroin aids and in the puddles. <laughs> heroin aids. <laughs> Heroin aids. Um, so yes, I agree. Also, also the toilet. Hipposifagonorrhea. <laughs> in that right. Would you rather be tased for thirty seconds, or fight off six cats? Uh, fight off six cats because tased for thirty seconds might stop my heart and I might die, or I might be able to survive yes. the six cats. That that was that was also my answer is that people die from being tased more often than you think, but I don't think anyone's ever been killed by cats. <laughs> I mean, you'd be really disfigured, maybe, but not killed. Well, yeah, that's that's, that's my thought. It's like worst case scenario is they get one of my eyes, right? <laughs> you know. <laughs> okay, so fight off six cats. It is. All right, so th- this is a, a lifetime one. All right. So for the rest of your life, would you rather always have to have your shirts tucked in? Or never tuck your shirts in again. Uh, I have to say, never tuck no my shirts in again. Occasion. Because I, uh, that is, it still works. Uh, that is what I went with because uh, you can always, you know, go that if you're going to a wedding or something, you can go with a messy, dressed up look yeah, and be the cool guy. I'm a rebel. <laughs> but if I had to have my shirt tucked in forever, man, I'd go insane. Yeah, I just look so just, it's so restricting. Now that I have more of a gut than I did in my youth, like tucking in a shirt just doesn't look good anymore. Oh yeah, I mean I've always had a gut, so yeah, it's always it, been. It like more accentuates a gut when you tuck your shirt in. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean if anything, it it just shows your curves. <laughs> so no tucking it. All right, no tuck, no tuck. I think I think we decided, uh, and that 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 has been. Would you rather? Which brings us to some trailer reviews. And a sound clip. There we go. <laughs> Here at A Play on Nerds, we have spent years refining our exclusive trailer rating system. At the low, low end of the scale, we have Burn It, where we think you should find every copy you can get your hands on and throw it into a barrel fire. To burn it Fahrenheit 451 style. And second from the bottom, <laughs> we have We'll See. Maybe the trailer was too short. Maybe it was cut oddly. Or maybe we don't know what the hell we just watched. Eh, we'll, we'll see. see. 
up next, we have Give It a Buck. Whether you hit a red box, a dollar movie theater in the bad part of town, or a cheap online rental, give this movie a buck and enjoy it without breaking the bank. And at the top of our rating system, we have Shut Up and Take My Money. The wallets have been charmed out of our pockets, and we are ready to make our hard-earned cash disappear. And that's our patent-pending trailer rating system for a play on nerds. That's right. All right, Jeremy. What movie are we starting out with this week? So we'll go with the less impressive one first called Killer Kate, which is on one of the many horror movies coming out this October. I can't believe my little sister is getting married. I'm so excited, Kate. (laughs) Poor girls all by themselves. Y'all be careful. So here's the deal. I don't want to starve you of the action, but I have to have the first kill. Thank God we didn't book that motel. I've got the weekend all planned. We'll go hiking. We'll have a patio picnic. I brought six board games. I think someone's here. And now I'm really freaked out. It's Halloween. She's just trying to scare you. You brought this on yourself. You saw what we did, your friends. Why did you do this? We didn't have a choice. What do you do? I'm a bellhop. Where's your mask? We're killing them. Fuck yeah, we are. Fuck yeah! <laughs> A lot of fucks in there. <laughs> um, so, I mean, my initial impression of this is that this looks like four other movies I've already seen. Yeah. I this mean, looks like The Others meets The Stranger, Strangers meets Green Room meets a quirky romantic comedy kind of like cabin in the woods a little bit yeah maybe but i just there's uh meets death proof maybe a little bit but like i don't there's nothing about this intrigues me well there's nothing that hooks me for it the hook is that uh it's a bunch of girls who are on their bachelorette party to stay in a cabin for the weekend and it looks like there's like a, a competition or a game where people are set out to kill whoever stays in that cabin and they're regular people with regular jobs who like subscribe to be uh, to go into competition to kill people in the cabin, basically. Um, hence why he's a bellhop. But uh, I love horror comedies, and I can they're very easy to consume. I think this one looks pretty good. But yeah, See, definitely, hearing, a, definitely a story for explanation. It makes more sense, but that's not what I got from this trailer. Yeah, I think I'd heard more about it on a different podcasts. That's why maybe I, I yeah, maybe that's it. Yeah, because you're right. That trailer doesn't really give you that much. <laughs> But no, hearing yours, I'm like, oh, yeah, maybe that, that, that'd be interesting. Like all these regular schmoes deciding they want to be murderers. Yeah, that, that's a new hook, but that's not what I got. Right. Really, that's what the actual plot is. But you're right. From the trailer, it looks like a standard cabin in the woods, people killing you thing. Uh, but I am ready to give this a buck this holiday Halloween season because you're always looking for good stuff to watch around Halloween. Yeah. And a bunch of uh, cute chicks killing people. I'm for it. <laughs> I'm fine with that. Yeah. <laughs> What's our next one, Steve? Uh, I honestly don't remember. <laughs> it's a big one. It's Captain uh, Marvel. Oh, that's the one. War is a universal language. I know a renegade soldier when I see one. Never occurred to me that one might come from above. Space invasion. Big car chase. Be told I was ready to hang it up until I miss you today. So, 
you're not from around here. It's hard to explain. I keep having these memories. I see flashes. I think I have a life here. But I can't tell if it's real. We have no idea what threats are out there. We can't do this alone. I'm not what you think I am. So, what do you think of the trailer? Uh, I mean, I'm underwhelmed. Really? And, and I, I don't think that it's because it's underwhelming. I think it's because of conditioning. Mm. So, Marvel is clearly playing this movie very close to the chest. Yeah. This trailer did not reveal really any plot points we can expect. We didn't really meet any characters besides Nick Fury and, and her. Like they're playing this very close to the chest because of how big the universe is and that, you know, everything most of their trailers are showing, Oh, here's, here's this person doing this. Here's this person. Doing, oh, and here's your favorite character doing this. This is a smaller film um, in that respect. And so because of that, I think I'm just conditioned for bigger and crazier than what they're willing to give with this film. That's the exact reason why I'm excited because, uh, first of all, it takes place in the 90s, hence the blockbuster video thing in the beginning. Um, hey, they made it till like 2007. <laughs> but does it, we have heard that does take place in the 90s, and it's really cool seeing the aged down uh, Agent Coulson Nick Fury and, and Nick and, Fury. And Coulson, yeah. Um, and I like the fact that it seems also like it's finally going to be a little more dramatic, which no one was begging for because we have so many dramatic DC films, but this seems to be more emotional. And I think the reason for that is they cast Brie Larson, who's a fantastic dramatic actress. Um, so having her in that role, they should use that to some extent, because unlike Robert Downey Jr., who can do good acting, but he's known a lot more for kind of comedic roles and other just meatheads like, you know, Thor and Chris Evans and stuff. They can't really do like great dramatic scenes. She's a great dramatic actress. Um, if you ever seen Room, it's incredible. Um, yeah, but I think a lot of the scenes they don't. Also, this movie doesn't come out till 2019, so I think they don't have all of it filmed yet. <laughs> so the idea that this might be just like a very preliminary trailer, um, to not show very Maybe. much. Supposedly, this is going to introduce one of the concepts that's going to basically run the next generation of Marvel, which is um, I can't remember the crawl or the scree or something. The scroll, but basically, yeah, the scroll aliens living amongst us. Right uh, to the point where there, there is belief that there's characters we already know that are whatever the hell these things are. That's pretty cool. Uh, Just punch right an old the, lady in the, the face. Leading, right now, the leading theory is Hawkeye is one of them. That would be cool. Which is why he has like slightly superhuman abilities, but not really like magic power kind of abilities, and somehow doesn't die. Right. Um, so I'm interested to see them set up the pieces for that because I'm excited to see what Marvel does after the next like. You know, in I guess round four or phase four, I guess it is technically right. after infinity. Um, so we'll, I don't know. I'm of course going to see this. I'm of course excited for it. I'm sure that the next trailer is going to show enough to get me excited and give it my money. Um, but I don't think this trailer did it for me. Ooh, for me, is like this is the best looking Marvel film I've seen in a long time. A lot of them have been pretty underwhelming, except for um, the last one was freaking great. Um, not Ant-Man the Wasp, but the one before that. I can't remember the name of it now. The big one. Infinity War. <laughs> Infinity War. Uh, but yeah, they've been kind of underwhelming to me for a while. I think this looks like kind of a different pace. Uh, and so I'm excited about it. And plus, she's the most powerful 
a hero in the Marvel universe as far as like almost yeah, like I mean, Superman, so, basically. Supposedly she's like one of the most powerful beings in the Marvel universe. Yeah. So it's pretty awesome to see how they're going to tackle that. Um, and he does call her, Nick Fury calls her before he disintegrates at the end of Infinity War. So there is that. Well, right. And they show that same pager. I thought that was clever to show. Oh that. yeah, they did. You're right. They show him type like with the target or something into it and put it on his belt clip. I forgot. I didn't, I forgot about that, but yeah, it looks great. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that was a neat little throwback, but this one gets a will see, um, strictly because just this trailer specifically didn't give me what I needed for me. Not that the film, not that the film is take my money. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Well, that leads us out to some radical recommends. If you have the means, I highly recommend picking one up. What do you recommend I do? I recommend Pleasant. All right. Well, for me, I have a Recco Warn, as they actually say that over the Sincast podcast. Uh, you don't want to quite recommend something, so you kind of Recco Warn. Um, it's <laughs> <laughs> it's called Iron Fist Season 2, is what I'm Recco Warning. Um, it was only 10 episodes, so pretty easy to binge. Um and the reason I'm not fully recommending it is because if you've watched all of these Netflix Marvel shows, I'd say go ahead and watch this one. It is a little bit better than the first season of Iron Fist. Not a ton, I don't think. Uh, the actor Finn Jones, who plays Danny Rand, got more time to practice and be a better fighter, which is good because he kind of... And they s- covered his face more so it wasn't him as often. <laughs> right. It was a stunt fighter for part of the time, which is a smart idea. Um but the problem is he's still not threatening. He still doesn't seem very badass. He's also skinny fat, if you know what that term means. Where like he's shirtless and he's like flabby but skinny, you know? <laughs> so it's like right. he's he's thin but he's not fit. Right. That's why I call skinny fat. So basically it's like I, I don't know why he couldn't get in shape for this one role that he's now playing iconically. Um, but he's just not impressive or threatening at all. Um and so without spoiling anything, they do focus more on Colleen Wing, who is like his love interest slash also a badass of her own right. And oh, and I, she definitely ends on a high note for the season. Did you finish watching it too? Yeah. Okay, yeah. I don't want to give away anything. But yeah, she's definitely more of a focus uh, this season, which is good because people I think were just not happy with him. And I'm so glad they focused more on her. Um, but the reason it's a warn is because I would say that if you're not already watching all these shows, there'd be no reason to watch this season. I don't think, I think it was just not that great, but if you're watching all of them, it was an okay addition to the <laughs> the series. My, my, my take on this season is that this season would have been an acceptable first season. Agreed. Agreed <laughs> with the path and the journey he took and the, the direct conflict with his past and that like the, the, the topics, I think this season would have been a perfectly fine first season and we could just erase the first season entirely. The only thing I would miss is that drunken fighter guy from the first season. He was fun. Oh, that's true. That's other, true. Other than that. And I think um, Rosario Dawson seems to be just totally gone from these now. I think she's never coming back. Oh, that's right. She's gone. And I forgot so about that. Kind of Misty Knight has taken that spot of being like yeah, the Misty Knight tissue. Was, was maybe a little heavy. And which apparently in the comics, Misty Knight and Colleen Wing are um, sisters of the drag or daughters of the dragon. They're like a new comic of their own. So they're kind of following along with the comics and that Colleen and uh, Misty okay. are kind of together. A little duo. Uh, so, but cool. I will I, I will second Jarman's Rekka Warren for Iron Fist season two. Good. Yeah. Appropriate. Yeah. 
So what do you got to recommend? Uh, so, so my radical recommend is twofold this week. Uh, one is uh, something on Netflix, something that I've recommended kind of prior, and that is American Vandal. But season two just came out this past week. Oh, I can't wait to watch uh, it. American Vandal, uh, a fake documentary about kids covering uh, the case of one of their classmates who's expelled for drawing dicks on cars <laughs> and the, the so good. conspiracy they uncover surrounding this. Uh, second season is bigger. They do a very, very clever way of explaining why there's a season two at the oh, beginning, which, which I really appreciated because that became the question of like, how are these two high school kids going to stumble onto another? I did wonder about that. <laughs> uh, they do. The first five minutes are, are the perfect setup to explain it. Nice. Um, so what I will say is that the season is not as strong. Um, the thing that I found was lacking because the last one was at their high school, their own personal stakes were higher. Mm. Um, as far as like their friendship was in turmoil at one point and that flavored every, you know, those sort of things. And because it's, it's elsewhere this season, um, the, those personal connections just aren't there driving the story the way they were. That makes sense. Um, but overall, great mystery, great new characters, all the stuff you loved, the analysis and the breakdowns and the timelines, all the stuff you love from last season's back. I highly recommend it. Even though, as I said, it's not going to match what American Vandal season one was. I'm glad to hear it's good though. Oh, very good. Still very good. Um, the other thing I'm going to recommend is uh, some iOS games. I just um, discovered that I'm like, like incredibly good at inexplicably <laughs> incredibly good at. So there's these games that came out, uh, Holes.io, Tornadoes.io, and Big Big Baller. They're all from the same company called Voodoo, and they're all basically the same game. Uh, and the idea is, is you know, in the tornado one, you small start out as a small tornado, and you go and you suck up a bunch of chickens, and then you grow in size, and then you can suck up a bunch of trees, and you grow in size again, and then you go and you suck up a bunch of houses, and you grow in size again. And, the, you know, the idea is that you're constantly sucking, absorbing things, becoming bigger so you can absorb bigger things. And there's basically a countdown clock where at the end, whoever's the biggest tornado wins. Nice. Uh, it's the exact same idea for holes, except for you're a hole in the ground, and the bigger you get, the more things you can suck into you. And the big, big baller is you're a giant rolling thing of a snowball, and you're picking up things as you go. And the bigger you get, the bigger objects you can pick up. So kind of like mindless fun. Mindless fun and rounds last a minute and a half to two minutes, depending on the game. So it's quick and easy. Uh, you're playing against like seven other real people. Oh, okay. Um, and I can't lose. <laughs> like, I, like, I don't know a better way to say it. I am inexplicably the best person in the world at these games. Well, you sure it's not like this one game my uh, girlfriend was playing where she thought for months that she was playing against real people and apparently it was always against a computer. <laughs> she had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> and she was so pissed off. She's like, I thought I was doing so well. <laughs> See, there are some times where I can tell they have AI in, um, but there are times where I'm like, I'm definitely playing. Like there's nobody as vengeful as these, like these other players are just, you know, they do vengeful dickish things that AI would not do. Mm, that makes sense. Uh, but there are, it is clear sometimes that it's like, Oh, we didn't have enough head count. So we filled it with two AI. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, uh, holes.io tornadoes.io and big, big baller. I highly recommend them. For those who need a way to pass the time. <laughs> so that she brings us that to time. our thank you section. Oh. Thank you for being a friend. Travel down the road and back again. Your heart is true. Your heart is true. Your friend and company. Your friend and company. 
So on Facebook, we have Michael McGovern, longtime listener, mm-hmm. old friend of mine. Um, he says on our last episode, uh, reviewing Star Trek Insurrection, he said, for me, it's a meh film. The Star Trek ideas are mostly there, but the execution was a step down from first contact. The bad comedy, subpar special effects, and a plot very similar to an episode of TNG made it feel more of an episode on the big screen than a motion picture event. That being said, it was a great part. It was great seeing part of the film out on a real location, and the interaction between the cast is always wonderful. Yeah, I think he wrote that right before he might have listened to the episode because we said a lot of that same things in the episode, and it's true. Um, and it was that is a good point about being on location. That doesn't happen very much in the episode, so it made it feel more like a movie, but. Um, but yeah, it was, it was an okay film. A meh film is accurate. Yeah, I, I would fully agree with that assessment. And then from longtime listener, Josh White, an old friend of mine, uh, he said, he wrote in and said, holy shit, this was a good episode of the podcast. You got the levels right this time. It was dense and entertaining. And you, um, and you have what? Oh, and you having marking mark differences of opinion on the movie helped. Top highlight, John C. Riley, Michael Caine, and Admiral Adama. I really had to sit down because I was laughing so much. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank we you very much. It, it was a fun episode. And it was. We're both injured with back injuries right now, but uh, we still try to give <laughs> you a good episode tonight. I hope you guys liked it. <laughs> oh, uh, when you asked me what the second trailer was, and I said I honestly didn't remember, uh, I took a Percocet before the show. <laughs> So I wasn't joking. I legitimately in that moment could not remember what the second trailer was. I'd say you've done pretty well considering the Percocet. Oh, I'm doing, I think I'm, I think I'm funny as shit. (laughs) (laughs) Well, then. Uh, Well, I think that wraps up another episode, right? It does. (laughs) Of the Predator slash Predator slash Predators. (laughs) Slash Hunters slash Predator Hunters. All those things. All the things. Uh, so thanks again for joining us. Uh, we will keep coming back and being your nerdy co-host. If you can keep coming back and being our nerdy audience, thanks again, Internet. Stay nerdy, my friends. Thanks for listening to A Play on Nerds. Find all of this content and even more nerdy news, reviews, and fun at www.aplayonnerds.com. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter so you know the exact second we release new podcasts, articles, and other nerdy content. We know you're impatient. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Podbean, Buzzsprout, Podomatic, and whatever the hell else you use. Also, please leave us a rating and review on your chosen podcast platform so we can be discovered by even more nerds like yourself. However you do it, check us out. And how. I'm Admiral Adama. We had to throw at least one in. Goodbye.